Chapter Fifteen of Isaac Bickerstaff. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Isaac Bickerstaff, physician and astrologer, by Richard Steele. Chapter Fifteen: The Club at the Trumpet. Sheer Lane, February tenth, seventeen ten. After having applied my mind with more than ordinary attention to my studies. It is my usual custom to relax and embed it in the conversation of such as are rather easy than shining companions. This I find particularly necessary for me before I retire to rest in order to draw my slumbers upon me by degrees and fall asleep insensibly. This is the particular use I make of a set of heavy honest men with whom i have passed many hours with much indolence though not with great pleasure their conversation is a kind of preparative for sleep it takes the mind down from its abstractions leads it into the familiar traces of thought and lulls it into that state of tranquillity which is the condition of a thinking man when he is but half awake after this my reader will not be surprised to hear the account which i am about to give of a club of my own contemporaries among whom i pass two or three hours every evening this i took upon as taking my first nap before i go to bed the truth of it is i should think myself unjust to posterity as well as to the society at the trumpet of which i am a member did not i in some part of my writings give an account of the persons among whom i have passed almost a sixth part of my time for these last forty years our club consisted originally of fifteen but partly by the severity of the law in arbitrary times and partly by the natural effects of old age we are at present reduced to a third part of that number in which however we have this consolation that the best company is said to consist of five persons i must confess besides the aforementioned benefit which i meet with in the conversation of this select society i am not the less pleased with the company in that i find myself the greatest wit among them and am heard as their oracle in all points of learning and difficulty sir geoffrey notch who is the oldest of the club has been in possession of the right-hand chair time out of mind and is the only man among us that has the liberty of stirring the fire this our foreman is a gentleman of an ancient family that came to a great estate some years before he had discretion and run it out in hounds horses and cock-fighting for which reason he looks upon himself as an honest worthy gentleman who has had misfortunes in the world and calls every thriving man a pitiful upstart major matchlock is the next senior who served in the civil wars and has all the battles by heart he does not think any action in europe worth taking of since the fight of marston moor and every night tells us of his having been knocked off his horse at the rising of the london apprentices 
for which he is in great esteem among us honest old dick reptile is the third of our society he is a good-natured indolent man who speaks little himself but laughs at our jokes and brings his, his young nephew along with him a youth of eighteen years old to show him good company and give him a taste of the world this young fellow sits generally silent but whenever he opens his mouth or laughs at anything that passes he is constantly told by his uncle after a jocular manner ay ay jack you young men think us fools but we old men know you are the greatest wit of our company next to myself is a bencher of a neighbouring inn who is in his youth frequented the ordinaries about charing cross and pretends to have been intimate with jack ogle he has about ten distichs of hudibras without book and never leaves the club till he has applied them all if any modern wit be mentioned or any town frolic spoken of he shakes his head and the dullness of the present age and tells us a story of jack ogle for my own part i am esteemed among them because they see i am something respected by others though at the same time i understand by their behaviour that i am considered by them as a man of a great deal of learning but no knowledge of the world and so much that the major sometimes in the height of his military pride calls me the philosopher and sir geoffrey no longer ago than last night upon a dispute what day of the month it was then in holland pulled his pipe out of his mouth and cried what does the scholar say to it our club meets precisely at six o'clock in the evening but it did not come last night till half an hour after seven by which means i was escaped to the battle of naseby which the major usually begins at about three-quarters after six i found also that my good friend the bencher had already spent three of his ditches and only waiting an opportunity to bear a sermon spoken of that he might introduce the copelet where a stick crimes to ecclesiastic at my entrance into the room they were naming a red petticoat and a cloak by which i found that the bencher had been diverting them with a story of jack ogle i had no sooner taken my seat but sir geoffrey to show his good towards me gave me a pipe of his own tobacco and stirred up the fire i looked upon it as a point of morality to be obliged by those who endeavour to oblige me and therefore in requital for his kindness and to set the conversation a-going i took the best occasion and could to put him t upon telling us the story of old gantlet which he always does with very particular concern he traced up his descent on both sides for several generations describing his diet and manner of life with his several battles and particularly that in which he fell this gantlet was a game cock upon whose head the knight in his youth had won five hundred pounds and lost two thousand this naturally set the major upon the account of edgehill fight and ended in a duel of jack ogle's 
old reptile was extremely attentive to all that was said though it was the same he had heard every night for these twenty years and upon all occasions winked upon his nephew to mind what passed this may suffice to give the world a taste of our innocent conversation which we spun out till about ten of the clock when my maid came with a lantern to light me home i could not but reflect with myself as i was going out upon the talkative humour of old men and the figure which that part of life makes in one who cannot employ this natural prospensity in discourses which would make him vulnerable i must own it makes me very melancholy in company when i hear a young man begin a story and have even observed that one of a quarter of an hour long in a man of twenty-five gathers circumstances every time he tells it till it grows into a long canterbury tale of two hours by that time he is threescore the only way of avoiding such a trifling and frivolous old age is to lay up in our way to it such stores of knowledge and observation as may make us useful and agreeable in our declining years the mind of man in a long life will become a magazine of wisdom or folly and will consequently discharge itself in something impertinent or improving for which reason as there is nothing more ridiculous than an old trifling story-teller there is nothing more vulnerable than one who has turned his experience to the entertainment and advantage of mankind in short we who are in the last stage of life and are apt to indulge ourselves in talk ought to consider if what we speak be worth being heard and endeavour to make our discourse like that of nestor which homer compares to the flowing of honey for its sweetness i am afraid i shall be thought guilty of the success i am speaking of when i cannot conclude without observing that milton certainly thought of this passage in homer when in his description of eloquent spirit he says his tongue dropped manna end of chapter fifteen read by elijah fisher